From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and this morning I am joined by the Executive Director of HGI Counseling. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Sue Levin to the Public Affairs Podcast. How are you this morning? I'm doing really well, although it's uh, not been the best 24 hours for our mental health in this community, but yeah, uh, or in in the country maybe. Yeah, in the entire country. I mean, this um, just within weeks of each other, mm. two two mass shootings: one in Buffalo, New York, at that Topps grocery store, and then another one just oof, on Tuesday um, right here in the great state of Texas in uh, Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary School. Um, I believe that total as of now, uh, 21 um, people who lost yeah. their lives. Um, yeah, 19 ni- children. 19 children, uh, a grandmother and a, and, a, and a teacher. It's just it's way too much, and Dr. Sue, may I call you Dr. Sue? Is that fine? Yeah, or you could call me Sue. I don't actually use my title a lot because I, I really uh, want people to feel like they can relate to me. <laughs> oh, I, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Sue. Um, it's, <clears throat> what is it about this time of the year when tragedies like this seem to happen. I mean, we were just, two years ago, it was Mm -hmm. George Floyd. I mean, to the day, Sue, to the day, it was George Floyd. Um, And it, it, it just seems as though every time in May, right before the start of summer, Memorial Day weekend, these events happen and it puts the country and, and if not the world in this state of um, anxiety, um, you know, sadness, uh, worry, just all of the low vibrational yeah. emotions. Yeah. Four years ago, I was with one of our teams at HGI responding to the school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas. See? Unfortunately, yeah. And that was May 18th, so just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Four and, years ago, yeah. And it, and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too deep because I could really, really, really go there, but I don't want to get over people's heads. But there is... There is something about this time of the year with the energies and whatever else is going on that things happen like this. And it just produces this, like I said, just this whole state of panic and fear and and depression. And with maybe Mental Health Awareness Month, um, you all you all have seen a 600 percent increase in the demand for well, mental health therapy uh, yeah, since the not, pandemic? Not, yeah, exactly. Um, not just in May, but of course, the pandemic started in March. So by May, actually, mm-hmm. two years ago, we were starting to see this big increase. 
it's a combination of things. I think going to therapy has become much more acceptable yeah. since the pandemic. I think it's a, because, number one, everybody's talking about their mental health and the stress level and all the challenges and, and some tragedies that are that we're all dealing with because of the pandemic, but also therapy became much more accessible when providers had to start doing services online. Mm. And so the, this was kind of a perfect storm for people to um, think about therapy as an option. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to say yourself, or some of your faculty or colleagues in this field with dealing with what everyone else is coming to you all with and, and, and putting on you, how do you and the rest of your colleagues get off your mental health, wellness, emotions, and all of that? Yeah, so taking care of ourselves is right. something that therapists don't always do well. We're so focused on taking care of other people. And sometimes we do that because we don't know how to take care of ourselves. Like we don't follow our own advice, you know. So Stuff it really like is like that uh, movie Hitch with Will Smith. It, <laughs> it really is like that, huh? It, well, for some <laughs> of us, it can be. Yeah, right. So, um we go to therapy ourselves. We have colleagues and supervisors that we talk to when we need support, or we should, I'll say. Okay. And um, I think a lot of us, especially again during the pandemic, realized that we had to watch our own um, gas tank, so to speak. You know, we couldn't let ourselves run out of gas because mm -hmm. there was no way to fill it back up if we didn't do it ourselves, if we didn't take care of it. Listen, so I tell people all the time, you can't pour yeah. from an empty cup. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've had a lot of um, like staff meetings and conversations, especially at the beginning of the pandemic to check, just check in, you know, we would have, 15 minutes at the beginning of each meeting where we would go into small breakout rooms on zoom, of course, mm -hmm. and just check in going around the small group and saying how you're doing. And it doesn't have to be that everything's okay. You know, this is where it's okay to not be share okay. that you have it. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay. Or that you need something from, from one of us. And so we did a lot of that and we continue, we still have weekly meetings and we still check in at the beginning of meetings. I have a two hour, um, what I call like an office hour during the week. Mm -hmm. And I just get on, I just get on the video and I sit in front of my computer and I do my work. And if somebody wants to drop in and talk, they can do that. And so paying attention to what is going on with the team was really important. And we also gave people more flex time if they needed to take off and take care of themselves and just not 
be as rigid, not that we've ever been real rigid as an organization, but just to be flexible and, and considerate of all the challenges, you know, so many of our therapists were, you know, had kids at home who were trying to do school from home and at the same time as they were working or taking care of people in the family who were sick or, you know, it just is a difficult, difficult time. Yeah. I'm curious to know, um, per your experience um, since the start of the pandemic, what was the main or the, the, the common denominator with the increase of calls and cases that you all had on the mental health front? What were people's main, um, what was the common thread? I would hesitate to say there's a common thread. Mm. A lot of the same issues that people came in for before the pandemic were still happening during the pandemic. Maybe they were accelerated. So oh, people okay. who had relationship issues that might got amplified. Yeah, they got amplified and maybe they would have put off coming in for therapy if the pandemic hadn't hit and it, you know, might have taken longer or, um, but also parenting issues with kids at home 24 mm seven, -hmm. you know, if, if you need help learning how to parent effectively, or you have a child who's having issues in some way or another, those things became, like you say, amplified, um, and, and people needed attention for those, um, isolation. So of course, you know, many people struggle with having good, strong social networks. And once again, anybody who already was tending towards isolation or, and loneliness had that amplified mm -hmm. in, in many ways over the, you know, over the pandemic. So those sorts of things, but, but again, just um, more layers of them. Yeah, indeed. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Sue Levin, Executive Director for HGI Counseling. Um, give us the history on HGI. I mean, you guys have been around for 40 plus years. Just for, for those who are not familiar um, with you all in your services, just uh, tell us about you all real quick. Well, it may not be quick because like you said, it's been over 40 years and I've actually been with the organization almost that long. So I could tell you a lot oh, about wow. it. So you, <laughs> okay, well, well, let's go. We got about 10 minutes left. <laughs> Well, we started in Galveston, and actually the name HGI, which is standing for the Houston Galveston Institute, was originally the Galveston Family Institute. And it was a group of mental health professionals, psychologists and counselors who had been at UTMB in the child psychiatry department and were practicing family therapy, which was very unusual going back to the 1950s and over time several decades had developed some very interesting and effective ways of working but at some point the university was 
kind of restrictive in terms of managing their practice. So they broke out and started their own. Uh, it's a 501c3, a nonprofit organization. And very quickly, therapists in Houston wanted services and training through GFI, the Galveston Family Institute. So they partnered with an organization in Houston and eventually had almost all the work happening in the Houston area. So um, it was confusing to keep the name and we had to change it over time. People also thought because it said Family Institute that they could only come in with their whole family. Oh. And that also was a name, you know, that was a word we wanted to let go of so that it, it didn't um, limit who found us for services. So uh, that's the background. But we've been in Houston and, and Fort Bend County now, um, primarily for the last 25 years, I guess. And we train mental health professionals and are part of an international network of mental health professionals that work with what we call collaborative and dialogical practices. So the way that we focus our approach to counseling is through conversation and through becoming a team with our clients and working together to find new ways to understand and, and solve the situations that they're struggling with. So it's a very um, uh, respectful, um, non-hierarchical, that's part of what I mentioned. I don't, I don't use the term doctor. Um, we, we try to keep from um, using, as much as we can, using our privilege and our um, position to try to influence mm -hmm. what people choose to do in their lives. Mm -hmm. What was it that made you want to get into this work, you know, as a teenager coming up? And what made you get into psychology, if you will? Yeah, thanks. Um, I always wanted to work with kids and help kids. I always babysat as a young adult and I got a teaching degree and I thought maybe I would teach, but what I found was that um, I, the, the context in which kids were having problems and how parents were trying to help. And as a teacher, even I would see that, that, over over the school year, you could see that we could help the kids figure out how to manage in the classroom. But if they went home for like vacations, Christmas break or spring break, that by the time they came back, they had unlearned all the rules and all of the things they needed to, you know, to pay attention to. And it started me with the idea that um, like, the family is the problem. And so that's where I got my training in family therapy originally, but I've really changed my thinking a lot about it. And it, it's not 
that the family's the problem. It's just that there's traditions and our culture and in families that people do what they know how to do. And if they are not exposed or invited to consider other ways, they don't know how to go there. So part of, you know, part of the idea is not that people are sick or broken or any of that, but just that the ideas and ways of doing things that they've grown up with or that they've been taught or been passed down in their community and their family and their culture shape things in certain ways. And expanding that way of being and doing is part of what we can invite people to consider and try out and experiment with and, and see what fits. Indeed. And so how can people um, receive you all's services? Well, they can contact our office folks who are very good at um, helping get things set up. And they can do that through calling us at 713-526-8390 or going to the the website, which is hgicounseling.org. That's 713-526-8390. to uh, get in contact with the Houston Galveston Institute Counseling or visit the website hgicounseling.org. That's hgicounseling.org. Sue, before I let you go, any uh, words of encouragement or, or mental exercises or something to ease the minds of the people everywhere um, with everything that we've been bombarded with for these past couple of weeks? Well, my first thought is gratitude. So being aware of what you can be grateful for and reminding yourself about the things right now today in your life that you've been given that you, you know, hopefully have food to eat today and you may be worried about tomorrow, but even in this moment, you know, just remind yourself sometimes making a list can be useful. And some people do that every day as a way just to focus and shift away from the worries and remind yourself about what you do have. Indeed. We're going to leave it right there. Sue Levin, PhD and executive director of the Houston Galveston Institute counseling. Uh, You can give them a call 713-526-8390. You need someone to talk to you going through some things mentally, emotionally, uh, and, and is it safe to say spiritually, you know, they can, they can help you. 713-526-8390 or visit the site at hgicounseling.org. That's hgicounseling.org. Sue, you can have came at a better time. I mean, this is just divine mm-hmm. alignment with it being, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month and everything that has been going on. We, mm-hmm. we appreciate your uh, advice and your scholarship. So gratitude to you. Thank you for having me.
Indeed. And to everyone listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Welcoming back to the Public Affairs Podcast. I think it's it's, it's been a while since we spoke with her. I don't I don't know if we spoke last year or if the last time you were on was like it during was. the pandemic, like when the pandemic it was first jumped the off. Pandemic. It was in 2020. It was during in the tw- pandemic. It, was, it sure was. She is a wellness expert, an author, athlete, philanthropist, nonprofit executive, all around great person, individual. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the incomparable Crystal Hatnot. How you been? Thank you for having me, KG. Oh, <laughs> thank you for being on. Um, a lot has been, you know, going on. Uh, a lot has happened since the last I saw you at the Sisters Network. Um, yeah. Uh, walk the si- uh, stop the silence walk. Um, and here you are with a new book. And Global Running Day is coming up all to coincide uh, with the release. Like, wow. First off, congratulations on everything. Thank you so much, KJ. Thank you. It's um, it's it's my heart work, I tell people. Um, a lot of people assume I get paid for running, but <laughs> it is my heart work. And so I'm really excited to, you know, share with um, people through through my writings with the book and just social media posts, et cetera. So your story is quite fascinating. Um, we've got a lot of transplants that are coming to Houston and, 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 and living here and making all of the, making all the prices go up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially Changing in real estate and, 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 and apartments <laughs> and condo townhomes and whatnot. But, um, Please, please um, tell us your story, um, the, either the abbreviated or the long version right before by the book version. All right. Yeah. So just real quick, abbreviated version is that I tell people I got into running literally by accident. And when I say accident, I mean literally an accident. I had a slip and fall accident um, and that accident cause nerve damage and um, a little muscle damage um, and I was I had paralysis from hip to foot on my left side for up for six weeks and basically had to go through physical therapy to learn how to walk again um, and uh, and I had a cane and I was in my late 20s and I just thought having a cane wasn't sexy and I just knew that had to be another way for me, for me. Right. to exist and so I really um in that moment of me really the actually the moment started prior to physical therapy but when I was laying on the couch all I could think about is I wanted to just go for a run and I wasn't a runner which was interesting I had just started dibbling and dabbling in running maybe a year before my accident and it wasn't no serious running I wasn't I definitely wasn't doing marathons I, w- I really wanted to be doing 5k's or anything like that I had started running with my mentor and he was a runner and he was actually a marathon runner. And um, all I can think in those moments is, you know, I want to run a marathon. And so 
I promised myself and God, if I ever got off the couch, that I would move and not just move, but I would move to show others that you're capable of doing whatever you put your mind to. Mm. And so that's exactly what I've done. So I've from here forth, um, past physical therapy, um, nine months after physical therapy, I just, I ran my first marathon in Washington, D.C. with the Marine Corps Marathon. And that feeling of crossing the finish line, that feeling of achievement, that feeling of accomplishment was something that I enjoyed and I desired and I decided to do it several more times, almost 200 half and full marathons right now. So, um, um, and I do it because I also, there's so many other stories that's out there on that trail that I love to hear and people and connecting with people, people who say that out inspires them to start running. And so it's always just like this give or take relationship when I'm out there on, on uh, different courses um, of sharing love, sharing stories, sharing inspiration and motivation. And so this book, um, it's kind of just like, it's my second book. The first one was a memoir, kind of really outlining my story, but this book is a devotional. And um, I tell people, a part of my personal wellness regimen has always been moving and movement and meditation. And so this is a devotional, and it pretty much outlines the characteristics of the traits that I developed as a runner. And I took each one of those traits, like one is focus, another one is resilience. And I took these traits, and I created devotionals around those particular traits. And there's nine traits. And those nine traits are synonymous with the nine fruits of the spirit. And so really talking about, you know, the fruits of the spirit talk about building yourself, your characteristics as a Christian. And this devotion is really about building your characteristics to help you not develop to be just a better runner, but really to run your best life. And so because these same characteristics became applicable into my personal life and into my professional life, my spiritual life. And so I wanted to offer these same principles to others and to really, you know, allow others to start this, their own set of meditation, their own set of devotion and time for themselves. Because I think that's important. I think a lot of times one thing we learned after this pandemic is just taking time to be still, taking time to meditate, taking time to reflect, reassess. And this devotional provides that. Mm-hmm. So when you were healing, um, and as you said, you were sitting in the house and something, and you were not a runner, and something inside of no. you <laughs> said, let's go run, let's go run. And you uh-huh. listened, and you went and here, uh, you know, here we are when you <laughs> did your first book. The, the, the finish was just the start. Mm-hmm. That clearly had to be spirit inside of you telling you to go run. And with doing that, you know, you came out a better woman because not only did uh, you heal yourself, uh, you gained more strength. Yeah. I tell you the cool part about it is that tragedies really create a transformation that can be amazing. Um, I really, really believe it. Um, You know, there's uh, actually the conclusion of the devotion is really talking about the phoenix. And phoenix is a beautiful bird, but in the end, after living a long, beautiful life, it burns itself in flames. And from the ashes, something new is created. And so um, 
I think that's kind of what that is. It's just an, after a tragedy, after, you know, my life was never the same the way I look at it. I became and I got a new life after that accident happened to me. And so with those things, we can always look at hard times, tragedies, struggles, and see how it creates a, a new, better, stronger version of ourselves. I like to call it Crystal 2.0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no now it's probably like a third or fourth version of Crystal now, but just really how you can take those situations and um, not allow them to be restrictions or limitations, but allow them to propel or traject you to that next level of the new version of you. And actually that's kind of what RUN stands for in Rise and Run. RUN is an acronym and RUN stands for Reconnecting, Unleashing the New. Because mm. I think every day we have, we can make the decision of the choice to start anew, um, start a better version of ourselves. Uh, and each day will look different. So we, we have to show up as a different version of ourselves each day to tackle what that day may bring. From a mental health standpoint and you know during the last segment i was uh talking to a um, psychologist uh sue levin with maybe mental health awareness yeah. Month and everything that we just um everything that we have been bombarded with these last two weeks with these two shootings um mm-hmm. from a mental health standpoint for you during your healing well from the accident through the surgery, physical therapy, up until you beginning to run, how was your mental health? Did you um, did, did you kind of break down and play the woe is me victim? Or were you like, uh, okay, this happened, and so now I'm just going to heal myself, and we're going to get better. Like, yes, this happened to me, but I'm not going to let it, you know, deter how I, I feel or whatever. How, how did you handle that? The the amazing part about the, that time is that when I was in my late twenties, you know, in your twenties, you think you're just unstoppable. Right, the invincibles. As, as <laughs> they call, in call the twenty year olds, the invincibles. Yes, you just like you just like you you're ready to tackle anything. So I had a a you know the sense of tenacity, and really honestly, I was as I was laying on a couch, I wasn't disappointed, but I was just I was so determined. Like I would literally talk to my leg and talk to my body. And I was like, we got to move. We have to move in those moments that I had no movement. I, you know, full paralysis. I was just like, this is not, I kept just telling myself, this is not what I was Were you, were you tapped in spiritually um, at that age? Did did you know that speaking Mm -hmm. those words into yourself uh, could actually speed up the healing process? Yes, and honest, the crazy part about it, just a, a couple of years prior to that um, is when I really started to develop my spirituality on a different level mm. or in a deeper sense. I, okay. I was always a church girl, right? And I'll tell you, there's a very di- big difference between growing up being a church girl and tapping into your spirituality. Right, and religion and spirituality are not the same thing. Yeah, and so I really, um, and it was really my mentor, and that's why I, the running part, my mentor, who was the marathon runner, we were actually in Africa and he said something to me that, that really just changed the way I felt spiritually. And honestly, that was the first time that I felt spirit within me. I was on the coast of the Gambia in West Africa. And he said something, he was like, Crystal, you're going to do things in your life that have nothing to do with your degree or your profession. And that's where you're going to connect and tap into people. 
And but before that happens, you have to learn the lesson as to why that's going to be your purpose. And then I was like, okay, you know, at the time I was like, whatever, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be this. I was going into politics and this is what I'm, you know, this, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change right. policy. And he was like, well, what you're going to do in life has nothing to, it's going to have nothing to do with your education or your profession. And I, and that, that came back to me in those moments. I was like, what if my purpose, what if this fall is a part of the plan? Mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. purpose mm-hmm. and if that's if that's the case I said I have to move like I have to move <laughs> like because there has to be more on the other side for me to tell people and so um that that was what kept coming back into my head and kept playing in my mind is that I knew that there was a plan for this fall and I knew the plan didn't end with me laying on the couch mm. That part. I love it. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're speaking with activist, wellness expert, author, athlete, philanthropist, all things woman, Crystal <laughs> Hatnot. Uh, her new book, Rise and Run, uh, is released. It's coming out on June 1st, with which coincides with Global Running Day. Um, was this by happenstance or did you plan this? No, it was on purpose. It was definitely on purpose. One, because, um, running global running day has everything and nothing to do with running. Okay. So the, the emphasis and the start of global running day was really to tap into two things, community and movement. And, um, I wanted this book to be about community and movement. And, um, and that was really important for me. Uh, and, and it's really kind of on that theme of how can I get people to move? And when I say move, I'm not just talking about physically move, like move spiritually, move mentally, move with intention and with direction in their life um, so they can run the best life. And so Global Running Day felt to be befitting. At first, I really was thinking May because May was mental health, because it was really like meditation and really tapping into that mental and that spiritual side. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, you know what? A lot of people don't know the start about Global Running Day. And Global Running Day is really about movement and community and movement more than just the physical movement. And so I really wanted to take that day to highlight and um, just, and for that to be a recognized holiday. All the runners in the running community, we know Global Running Day. But those outside of the typical running community may not know about Global Running Day, may not understand the mission and the purpose behind Global Running Day, um, and not realize that there are so many stories on a trail that people have. And so this book is just really, the devotion is really a start to a, a larger movement that I want to do because I want to, you know, there's my story, but there's so many other people who have stories of how did they get moving in that life and moving, whether it's running, whether it's walking, whether it's cycling, or whether it's just doing something different and moving in a different direction in our life. And so um, my larger goal outside of this book is really to create a space to collect other people's stories that may be inspiring and inspirational for others. Can we, can we get one? Like, can, can you share one of the, I don't know, the devotions or the stories or just something for the listening audience so they can go ahead and get ready uh, to purchase 
this book, which will be I out on sure Wednesday, can, the first. I would love to. Yeah, go well, ahead. Well, there was one that really, um, when I, I, I started writing, this, the concept of Rise and Run, really, for people who've been following me on social media, I've been saying Rise and Run and saying little tidbits of inspirationals for probably like over 10 years, for sure. And uh, so the concept of Rise and Run has always been with me for a long time. Um, but I started writing really right a few weeks before the pandemic. I was like, you know, let me just start writing some stuff down. Um, and then I kind of took it, got away from it, and then came back to it. And when I came back to it this year, well, really towards the end of last year, I started writing a little bit more. But a lot of it just started flooding in my head starting back in February. And it's because I was in my own, I needed my own devotion. So I needed to be my own teacher. And so it, it's one that really that resonated me that I started writing when I was in that moment. And um, I, that one I definitely would share. But one of the, the devotions are really kind of like, really that are, they're, they're, they're kind of like merging all my roles it's really based in like my the way I talk as a runner because a lot of them it starts with like this devotion is trust um and trust is something like trusting the process um of your of your life and trusting the process of running and it then starts with on your mark get set and go and on your marks is really a scripture and the scripture is proverbs 3 five and six and it says trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path and so this devotion is really talking about trusting the process so it started out telling you about trusting the process but it really goes into describing the cocoon and so a lot of us know about the caterpillars to the butterfly phase and the cocoon this whole metamorphosis process so in trusting the process, I started researching caterpillars. And then with caterpillars, they give you an understanding that caterpillars, you know, a lot of people don't know that they're only a caterpillar for about two weeks of their lifespan. Mm-hmm. But they're in a cocoon phase for like four to six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So the, and then from the cocoon phase, they become a butterfly and they're a butterfly for another about two weeks. So the longest part of their lifespan is really within inside the cocoon. Right. And at the time when I was writing this, I felt like I was in my own personal cocoon. And, and, um, and so that was really kind of resonated with me because, you know, understanding like when you're in that cocoon phase, what, what's happening, what's going on, what does that look like? And so I'll share a little quick little reading part of it. Um, and so here you go. I'll read a little bit of it. Um, okay, this reminds me of the metamorphosis process of the insect, most known as the caterpillar. At the beginning of the metamorphosis process, the caterpillar stops eating, hangs upside down, and begins to spin itself into a protective layer in preparation for its transformation. The transformation happens inside the cocoon. The cocoon stage is where the work is done. Within its protective casing, the caterpillar radically transforms its body. Did you know that the caterpillar period is only about two weeks, whereas the cocoon period can last up to four weeks? So, in, so the insect in this cocoon stage longer than is in this cocoon stage longer than is the caterpillar, and there's a purpose for this delicate stage. 
And so I'll go down to the end and it says, so think about being in your own personal cocoon. The cocoon stage is where the magic happens, although it may not feel that way. When you're inside the cocoon, it can be uncomfortable. You are there alone. It's dark. You can't move around. It is a very tight space. And so you may feel like life is being sucked out of you. And it is. Your old life is being sucked out of you. This is the period of time that may seem longer than you ever experienced because it probably is the longest period of your lifespan. God is, is strategic. He is not in a hurry. You are. It is why you're getting tired and weary because you're anxious, stressed, and disappointed. Mm. There is a purpose in the process. Think of it as surgery of the spirit. It is very painful. This process is called removal. Removal of the old parts that are no longer functional in your life. Rise and move forward because rise and moving forward sometimes may not feel like it's a good process. But the cocoon period is where you need to decrease the amount of interactions with that you have with other people and less focus on and, and focus more on the inner work. You will be required to spin around and turn your attention inward in order to move to the next level transformed into the next phase, upgrade into your newer version of yourself. Mm. And so that's just a part of it. Just really talking about just like, you know, you have to trust the process. Got to trust so, the process. I, I mean, trust the process. and that's, and that's what it is. What, what a word. So, Rise and Run out this mm -hmm. Wednesday, June 1st for Global Running Day. Uh, make sure you show up and support our girl, Crystal Hatton. I thank you so much for coming on uh, and thank sharing this Thank you for having knowledge. me. No, it's always a pleasure. And on behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth, and we'll see you next week.